All right, everybody, welcome to Black Hills Information Security, talking about news. Thank you very much for joining. And by the way, we have a very special show, not just because Ken's here, or Ralph's here, or Deb's here, or Ryan's here, or Jason's here. No, we have an awesome show today because of one simple reason. We're not going to be talking about ransomware today. Uh, no. We finally had some security news. And it, 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 to be honest, it all kind of like like collapsed on top of each other. It wasn't just like one interesting news story. It was a bunch of news stories. And I want to start by talking about the uh, first one. Uh, this is Gmail, YouTube, and Google Docs and other Google services hit by massive outage. Uh, so if you didn't know this, like last night and this morning, it was down. I was freaking out at about 3 a.m., Jason, because <laughs> all of my slides for my class were on Google. Uh-huh. And uh, we're thinking of who probably could be behind this, and Marcello is showing up, so that's helpful. Uh, yeah, Marcello, we're live. Uh, but uh, Ralph, you had an interesting theory about this one uh, as, oh. as well. So, what was your thoughts on this? Oh one? yeah, so my my simple theory was all the services were down except for search, and they did that on purpose so that they could search how to fix Google. Right? <laughs> if that's not the case, then most likely what was going on is they were uninstalling Solar Winds actively within that thirty minute outage. That's my two. <laughs> what are we going to do with Solar Winds? Just just unplug it, man. Just yeah. go unplug it. Just rip it right out of the network. Those are my two. <laughs> Network. So the guy comes running out with cables. I did it! I did it! I did it! Like, who the hell was that guy? He was the intern. Um, <laughs> he won't be here much longer. And Ralph, it was, they totally could have used Bing. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, we both know that the internet would still be down if that was the case. <laughs> so, does you anyone think that ice cream? No, no. I want to know how to reconnect Google. Got it. Okay, Megan Fox videos coming up. No. Aww. Aww. Oh, no so more disappointment. No more disappointment. Austin Green and Machine Gun Kelly and Eminem. It's it's an inside thing. Um, but this was this was actually scary for me because you know how long would they actually be down? Seriously, if I couldn't get to my files, it was like I was going to have to remake my slides for my intro to stock analyst class. It was just going to be bad. Um, so that was that was somewhat less terrifying. Let's go to like um, I don't know. Let's go something really terrifying. Uh, how about we talk about this uh, this wonderful sunburst backdoor uh, FireEye article talking about solar winds? So I want to kind of go around on a scale of one to ten, like one being like an average Thursday where it's mostly ransomware, and ten we're all hopelessly screwed. Where are we at on that continuum of badness? I say 10. Yeah, well, I mean, Google had issues, so. (laughs) (laughs) Straight to 10? Why to 10? Uh, Why to 10? Yeah. Oh, this this particular, it's not that it affected FireEye. It's that it's already affected so many people. They wouldn't even know how many people it's affected, right? Um, It's it's ridiculous. And this whole thing, as it it kind of explodes out, you know, it really has... But like, what are you supposed to do? Like, you can't trust your vendor. I mean, there's so many questions, but I think it's really the scale. It's not just one company. So that's my my 10. So here's the Brian Krebs article that lists all the companies that they were able to confirm were SolarWinds customers. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and you can just see this huge list. Oh. You've got Harvard University, you've got oh. uh, Lockheed mm-hmm. Martin, Microsoft, NCR, mm-hmm. uh, Ernst & Young. Ooh, um, Space this Center. is a bad list, right? So mm-hmm. we do have to put this in a box, though, right? Yeah, um, the, hi. Um, so the, um, the SolarWinds update was what was affected. Not not the install from the from um, Solar Winds. It was just the update that came down, right? So, um, if you update your Solar Winds, which a lot of customers do not, and that's one of the things we find on our tests, right? Um, <laughs> then you're fine. <laughs> which is which is saying like, don't patch. I don't know, but like. <laughs> But that gets into, you, you know, you're right. It wasn't like there was an, a vulnerability that they were at the exploit. They actually took over the update process. Yeah. For their software. Mm. And this gets into, I think, you know, we got to default to a stance of 10 until we know more about what the hell is going on. Because every single one of these organizations could be compromised now. Sure. Um, and it could be that only a handful of them are actually compromised. We just don't know. But the panic that this is going to ensue is just going to be insane. All right. So for me, this feels like either a good day for the people who planned this, right? Like, are they high-fiving each other and like, hey, it actually worked. Great job. Like, are they popping champagne in the office? Like, No, they're, they're pissed off that they got caught. Yeah, it's a okay. cycle for them. I, I, I'm going to disagree a little bit. I, I and I know I know I'm taking a bit of a contrarian view because I agree with Mubix that they're probably a little bit frustrated that they got caught. But hasn't it been six months? They yep. think that they've had six access months, to this yeah. for that entirety of six months. You could see them coming into work and being like, "So did they catch us yet?" <laughs> yeah. they suck. They no suck. one. <laughs> Not one of these companies have caught it. Okay, and they come back tomorrow and they're like, "Still have they? Have they? Have they caught us?" I'm like, no. Not yet. So Subaru, oh, come on. Like, you, know. you, under, you as a pen tester know that too much data is too much data, right? Too so much if, data if, is too much data. That's right? True. If that, they have all of these different places calling back to them, they're going to be like, okay, so where do they, we shop? How many Cobalt Strike tabs do you think they had? Or like, I mean, there must be teams of people managing all these Cobalt Strike instances. Oh, and that's yeah. so supposedly, yeah. according to FireEye, that's what they were using as their C2. Now, granted, there's a lot of other stuff in front of that oh, to make sh- this all work, but that's what they're using. Cobalt Strike? Yeah. I do like I do like the idea. John, read the article. I do like the idea that John's saying they're coming in and they're they're going into like the the not sock and seeing the not sock dashboards, seeing that they're not yet caught. Not not sock. Sock. <laughs> it's the attacker not sock. Mm-hmm. It's like, so, <laughs> and and I, I would almost see them now after six months. They're like, finally, finally, it took them this long. It's <laughs> well, here's another. Well, back to that whole like too much information. Like there, who is like the interns? Like all right, so you get the you get CPS, CBS. Like you're over there. Hey, you guys are good. You get the Lockheed Martins. Like how do you divvy up this much? I have no idea. Exactly like, how you said by <laughs> by target. Yeah. You so in offensive operations, you split off targets and you say, mm-hmm. all right, here's here's your uh, area of operation, and you say and. Um, they perform actions based on um, end all goal for the entire set of teams, um, but uh, it's individually uh, segmented. Their their malware was pulling out domain names from inside of these organizations and using those, using the company's name pretty much, or da- domain names they were, they were using to query out via the DNS. So like they were already categorizing it as it went, right? 
it's, it's ridiculous. I, I've got a question though on this. Like, does APT twenty nine? actually have like a job posting website somewhere and, and the reason why i ask is whenever are you, you get looking a, for a job now no, <laughs> maybe maybe the reason why i ask is i, I think it, it would be really helpful if they had a job posting database like it's in russian it's like do you like hacking and things like that and then if all of a sudden the number of open positions go from like five to you know 40 we're like something bad has just happened like because, you know, I think Rob's absolutely right. They're going to break this up. But we all have to look at this list. Do they have this many people that can handle this many organizations? Right. That's a tremendous amount of manpower. Yeah, right. they probably do. I mean, I know the military, right, if you're going to break this up, I mean, you would also compartmentalize it. So, like, people aren't really doing the whole operation. They're only seeing really small pieces of it and just maintaining that, right? And, you know, just think about it. You don't really necessarily be understand the whole op. You can just understand your little piece and just run that and be, you know, kind of a worker, you know, like a little worker ant in this whole big process to manage, you know, possibly thousands of organizations, right? So, yeah. So, I always think of the human factor and all this. Like, there's somebody who had to work late, <laughs> you know, for the last six months, like, ah, yeah, I was just in the Kennedy Space Center. There's just so much. It's so much, it's so much to do so today. Much. It's all in English. Like, I had to get the translator. All <laughs> stuff. You I laugh, don't even know what I have. You laugh, but yeah, linguists are required. Mm-hmm. Um, so one other piece of this, the one piece that I don't see really re- reporting as much, is that it's been six months since the update was pushed. We have no idea how long they've been inside of solar winds. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it must have taken them a little while to to position themselves, get into that update cycle to, to happen. Yeah. So, so, I've got a stupid question for everybody. Like, kind of riffing on that same question. So, this FireEye breach, right? The offensive tools that was dumped from FireEye. So. <laughs> Was this the same vulnerability? Did the attackers go in via SolarWinds updates to get access to FireEye, or are these two separate attacks? Because it seems like they're very much intertwined, and FireEye is referencing one and the other with their blog posts, but I, I haven't seen anybody come right out and say, unless I'm missing it, and say, no, this is how FireEye got breached. I think they're insinuating it. I don't know if they said it, though. Like they're insinuating that when they started doing discovery on this, that's when they found, you know, this wider uh, piece. Right. And we actually don't really know when it was that they disclosed that, you know, they were breached in relation to what they knew when they disclosed that publicly. So, it, it you know, we could be in the midst of kind of like some information. But I would imagine that FireEye had told SolarWinds before this happened um and it does appear or at least that they're insinuating that they are related right that this was after they were breached they did an investigation as their that's their wheelhouse and found this we should also note that they were the first people if that is the truth right if these are related right and this is how they were compromised then we should also note that FireEye was the first person in six months to detect this um activity and that gets into the same question of you talk about solar winds, how long were they compromised? How long was FireEye compromised? If they're talking about their red teaming tools, and I want to talk about that as a, as a completely separate conversation here in just a little bit, how long were they in FireEye's network? Because, you know, well, could no the more exact than six same technique be used here? Go ahead, Rob. What was that? Sorry, no more than six months, right? The the patch came out six months ago or whatever. So. That's the time box for it. Yeah. 
John, this reminds me of the one thing, like whenever we play backdoors and breaches with people and there's the initial compromise, but people are hunting, they find a little piece of it, but they haven't really found the initial compromise part. And the one thing that you said once that really stuck with me is that sometimes you find you've been breached by investigating something else where all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait, if I wouldn't have been looking for this, I wouldn't have even have found this. Do you think that maybe that's what this is? They were looking for something and they found something else. I, I think they, they knew that their red team tools were breached and they didn't know how they were breached. And they started kind of going back and researching what it possibly could have been. So I think you're absolutely right. They're investigating one breach and they basically found another, but we still have no information about what was the, what was the initial point of attack? What was the initial compromise in this environment? We don't know what the initial compromise was for solar. Well, sorry for FireEye, we do, but we don't know what solar winds initial point of compromise was. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of getting terrifying, especially if you're looking at a window of six months, those forensics artifacts that would be helpful in answering that question may not be available. Well, so I got, I mean, thankfully, well, I was just going to say, thankfully, six months ago, nothing was really going on in the world. That would <laughs> no. us from... It was calm. Um, there was nothing bad happening. By the way, were there any, like, voting voting machine vendors here? Like, is Diebold look good? I do have a theory on how the red team tools got compromised. So Go for it. For those who don't know, SolarWinds basically stores credentials for everything, um, like domain admins, uh, VS, uh, vCenter, uh like cisco enable passwords like everything like they anything you want orion to monitor it can store credentials for um and one of those things that many people put in there are um github api keys so that it can monitor github and i'm assuming that either internal or external their api keys for github were in their solar winds box and were stolen out of there so that the red team tools were, were then taken very easily from either private public GitHub, like the public GitHub.com private repos, or an internal enterprise version. And I, I had to bring this up while you were talking, Rob. On their website, their their catchphrase for Orion is one platform to rule your IT stack. Yeah, um, yeah literally. From, from the Lord of the Rings books, that was bad. Like the one ring was bad. <laughs> Right. Um, that was too much power, too much power <laughs> in one thing. And um, and, it, you know, one vendor, one platform, one single pane of glass, one exploit away uh, from total control of your environment. And I think that that's the other thing that we aren't talking about with this, at least in a lot of the articles are like, oh, a lot of people are running solar winds. But specifically what Orion is, is literally yeah. becomes the heart of identity and access management for an entire organization. And that also brings up some theories. You know, we talked about Google going down. GIA, their, their single sign-on went down. You know, we're talking about authentication issues, authentication. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, of stuff that's just terrifying um, whenever you think about where this Orion platform actually is in organizations. So as the marketing guy on the call, I, I mean, they can change that real quick to, like, one platform to kind of rule. Your, <laughs> just add that kind of to rule. <laughs> I, you know, maybe just, just a, a pwn pwn instead of rule it's pwn pwn on your, on your IT stack. so but we also have uh like products like CyberArk, uh beyond trust like this idea of this identity and access management privileged access management this is this is not the only platform in the world that does that like there's tons of platforms 
So one of the concerns that I have is the copycat effect, where we have a vulnerability in Adobe Acrobat, and then every exploit writer on vulnerabilities or writing exploits for vulnerabilities in Adobe Acrobat. And then it happened in Java. And then you're seeing a lot of ransomware. And what my concern is that this is like a dinner bell for the attackers. And they're like, wait a minute, if we can take over these platforms, we own absolutely everything and every single one of these vendors. So we're going to see more of this moving forward. I don't know what everyone else's thoughts are. I've been yelling about SolarWinds since 2015 being the central <laughs> thing. So, like, I've literally given talks on the thing, like, multiple times. And, like, I just want I've, – I've wanted everyone to pay attention to this box for a long time. And it's frustrating that it's going to take this for people to actually do it. Well, but can't that same logic apply, like I said, to CyberArk? Can it apply to things like LastPass? Because I can remember one conference that we were at years ago – where we were talking about LastPass and these types of things. And I'm kind of switching off into a different technology stack. But my fear was, and I think it was also your fear as well, that once we start getting into these unified identity and access platforms that are storing all of this access, this just becomes that one point as an attacker that you want to get to. Um, I'm not saying the alternative is better, but I don't think that people really thought much of the security risks around these different products. Yeah, the the only pushback I would say is uh, when it comes to CyberArk um, and Thiotic and and some of the other on-prem and off-prem uh, password storage, they do crypto a lot better than the the Cacti and Orion and all of these other tools that are more focused on IT management than security, right? So. Um, it will be harder for someone who gets access to like root on a thiotic box or a cyberarc box to get the passwords out. They're going to have to do a lot of work. Whereas if you're root or admin on the Orion box, it's literally run a piece of code, um, mm-hmm. and that's it. Yeah, well, they're not really hardened. That I mean, those password managers and vaults—they're a little bit more hardened than um, you know SolarWinds is. Really, it's you know because the the other thing too is it, you know you're accessing credentials, so you're like, oh, if those are sensitive. But when you get on here, you're like, oh, look, this this box is offline or whatever. But you don't realize that you know it obviously has all the credentials to make those decisions, right? Um, you know, and SolarWinds may push back on the idea. Well, you're not really supposed to give these boxes admin, but sometimes you don't have that choice, right? Yeah. Um, you know. So, I mean, user roles, like, you know, identity access management, giving least privileges, it all gets down to this, like, whole bigger process. But, you know, I think we are beginning to start to slip and forget that, you know, this was a, um, you know, uh, supply chain attack. So, like, you know, how do you defend against that, right? Like, how do you, against any of these products, right? How, how do you defend against oh. this supply chain? You know as well as I do that over the next few months, I think Dev Kennedy tweeted something about this, where over the next, actually, probably the next year, Every security vendor is going to be like, we're going to help you detect and react to supply chain attacks from now on. I mean, this is this is now the buzzword for 2021. It just is. Okay, so how do you do it? How, how would we do it? I, no clue. I, like, honestly, I mean, and I know that there's a lot of people, well, what you can do is you can do code reviews. Are you going to get the co- source code for every single one of the products? Are you going to do static binary analysis on every single one of the products in your environment? Is that what does that mean? Like, if you're looking at something like Orion, how many dynamic link libraries? How many executables? How many different things do you have to do in code analysis? How many lines of code Over are in that? How, how many how many open source projects are incorporated into that commercial product? Yeah, it's a great buzzword, but the reality of that situation is far more difficult, I think, than most people realize. So, John. Can, 
Go ahead. Sir. No, go ahead. I'll... So, John, what do you think is the, the learned lesson here then? I mean, if, if you can look at it and say, well, we could have done this, but that looks really expensive. What What's kind of the learned lesson about this? I think the learned lesson is overlapping fields of visibility, right? I think that the industry as a whole has focused way too much on endpoint security, where if you're running Silence, if you're running, you know, you know, if you're running Silence, you're running Carbon Black, you're running all of these different EDR products, it wouldn't detect this because it came in through an actual patch and an update. And your security inheritance is absolutely going uh, to It should problem. detect this. I don't think so. No, it, because it, if you're in, in this case, it absolutely should. I think, and how it how it operated. I the only it, we can say it should have, but if I put up on the screen, it totally didn't. <laughs> I know, I know, but I, what I'm saying is like, so this update, what it did was it it um, it patched this uh, it patched a bunch of things that were other parts of uh, Solar Winds that were valid, but it also updated this DLL, right? Mm-hmm. Then, so none of that should be detected. I I agree with you there. However, it then um, later on a later date put a DLL into System 32 called uh, Net Service Net Setup Service dot DLL or whatever, mm-hmm. which was which was the Cobalt Strike Beacon, right? And that should have been detected. I would agree that with that. Should have been detected. That initial uh, access, I think we okay. So I would agree with that. But if we're looking at a lesson learned. That's not a lesson to learn. That's something that should have been detected in this specific instance, correct? Right. So what I'm saying is, just as you probably were already, is defense in depth, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, overlapping fields of, uh, of visibility. You're never going to get to the point where you're going to detect that supply chain update. Like if it's so uh, like a few years back, there was a Cisco one where they put a chip on top of uh, the new Cisco devices, right? So this mm-hmm. you're you're ne- you're not going to detect that. Um, unless you're opening up every Cisco box you ever get and knowing exactly what the motherboard looks like and saying, Oh, that's weird. Um, Dude, and, I remember years ago at DOD, we had to do that with a bunch yeah. of Cisco devices where we had to look at serial numbers. And I remember being in a warehouse on a skiff and we were going through the Cisco devices, popping the lids off of them. And then people were looking at each other, like, what the hell are we looking for? And people were like, I don't know. Like there was, yeah. we were doing work just to say that it was being done, but yep. honestly, it wasn't effective at all. So the only thing that the only reason we found a couple were because it was shoddy um, uh, solder work. Like all <laughs> the rest of the board looked amazingly clean, and then there's this like crappy like third part like some solder soldering job that I would have done. <laughs> Yeah. That's the only way we noticed it. Think about, um, think about how geeky that is, Rob. That you had to open up a box, look at it, and be like. The soldering is crap. It's about what I would do. It's like, oh, that's how we got him. Crap solder. So the the way that we detected it at a previous company, though, was that it was sending packets that um, were not um, designed mm-hmm. for it at all in any way, shape, or form. And we caught that on the network layer. Like, mm-hmm. you yep. got to there, – there's so many things that need that defense in depth that, that know what's normal that, like, that's the only way we're going to get around these or get detection yep. on these things. Well, and, and, I, and I think that over the past few years, we've gotten too over-reliant on that endpoint security, right? And when it fails, we just don't know what the hell to do. And like on the network side, that's something we've been focusing on with Rita on our open source project at, at Active Countermeasures, try to bring that idea to the forefront that we are blind on the network. You know, signature-based detection is not working that well because everything's encrypted um, in, for most different command and controls and things like that. 
So we need to be looking at our network and say, okay, user and entity behavioral analytics. We need to have good SIM information coming in. That's what you know, Kent and Jordan teach in their class with the purple team is how do we refine that signal to noise ratio, watching that network. But it seems like everybody's going for SOAR. They're going for a single pane of glass. They're going for one product that's going to detect absolutely everything. And the reality is it's still far more complicated uh, than just buying a single product. And then all of a sudden you're secure. I mean, also let it be known, EDR definitely did fail in this example. There was, if EDR had succeeded, you know, then we would, um, they, the vin- those vendors would have been reporting this. It would have been FireEye, for example. Yep. Um, you know, so, but, and then that just goes to your point about the defense in depth, right? We can't just rely on that one thing to detect these things. Um, should it have detected it? Maybe, but we could also argue that, you know, what's to stop these uh, attackers from getting that same EDR product, getting all of them, every single one of them and trying this all out, testing it, making yeah. sure it's not going to work. You know, they're, they're not mm-hmm. going in here random and they're obviously not going to, they're not playing games here. So, you know, this yeah. isn't, you know, ha ha, I messed up, you know, fun, fun. Uh, you know, they're going to be serious and, and whatever money, it doesn't matter. So, so now that, now that everything's uh, public, <laughs> do you think the attackers will one or a, um, stop operation or two, start shoveling data out as fast as they can. <laughs> I think that they've already gotten all the data they need. Honestly, think so? yeah. I, I think they have what they need by now. For si- six months, mm-hmm. I mean, six months. Are, are, can you six imagine months for right? that many companies, though? Like yeah. six months That's for that true. many companies. That's true. But maybe whenever it comes to some of the uh, mascara, you know, and and you know, uh, makeup companies, they did those last. But I think that they got <laughs> the important stuff. I think they got the important stuff that they want already out of those networks. Uh, they, they already have it, and it, it's gone at that point. I would just – I would take all the detections that have been posted publicly. That's what I know is being detected. No retroactive. And just change everything, right? Just yeah. be like, oh, all those domains burned. Everything's oh burned. It's all done. Oh, my God. I got a question, Ralph. <laughs> Go ahead, Ken. So, Ralph, if the idea was that, like, ER could have caught this, maybe should have caught this, but didn't catch this. Sure. Is there the possibility that the IOC actually got popped up in front of someone's screen and they said, nope, that's normal. And that led this down the six-month chain of this is normalized? It absolutely could have happened. Yeah. No, for sure. For sure. But it probably wasn't like a high alert, check this system right now. You are you Yeah. Do you know why they picked netsetupservice.dll? No idea. So the so netsetupservice.dll is something that install, is installed when you do a Microsoft – um, troubleshooting thing, and it and it talks out very randomly from only hosts that run the thing. Um, so if you have Windows 10 or Windows, whatever, and you do like a hey troubleshoot my problem on the Microsoft.com website, and they have the fix it uh, mm-hmm. downloaded, it will install that DLL that then will talk out to uh, Microsoft to um, get updates or, or information on your fix. So. They picked that DLL very specifically to get around EDR saying, hey, this is a DLL that shouldn't be talking out or whatever. Yeah. So I, I got uh, another question I want to ask real quick. Because Marcello is <laughs> here and he hasn't said anything, but I have to ask this question. So Marcello, whenever you read that um, this was an attack and the Russians were using it, did you open the article, like the Krebs article or wherever you read it, and started scrolling through and in the back of your head saying, please, God, don't let them use silent Trinity, like going through and saying, please don't use my tools. Please don't use my tools. Please don't use my tools. Cobalt strike. Yeah. It's not me. 
Honestly, I didn't have to because Silent Trinity is broken. So it, oh, even God. if they tried, yeah, yeah, even if they tried, it wouldn't have worked. However, mm-hmm. um, I think I personally I brought this up to Twitter and uh, sort of the internal chat. But honestly, like the only way I see that there would be any sort of mechanism, a way to detect like this, these sort of attacks, is to actually delay patching for like 30 days and uh, in a and setting the, up those patches in a HoneyNet environment and mo- to monitor every single thing that they do mm-hmm. for at least 30 days and then going from there. That's the only way I that's, see that you can dude, mitigate any sort of thing. That's the way we were doing things in 2000 and 2001, right? Yeah. Are we going back to that? I Plus, mean, the thing is... Sleep for 31 days now. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. mean, the, 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 initial, the initial backdoor was 14 days dormant. So you multiply it by, by two, that probably, that's probably a good time frame. Um, you have to do some risk management between like patching critical vulnerabilities and not. But honestly, the organizations that have this sort of threat vector in their threat model would probably have enough resources to do that anyway. Um, I'm not exactly sure though, like how feasible it is from a compliance standpoint, because I don't know that, but honestly, that's the only way where I can see that this would be any sort of detection mechanism coming from this stuff. And I, and I agree with that, but I also feel like that's incredibly dangerous because what this entire breach has done. And the reason why I think it's like very, very, very severe for the community is it's just created doubt in patching, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. It's, yep. it's like, yeah, exactly. it's like you have a vaccine and you got a friend of a friend of a friend or somebody that got sick. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh, we don't do that. And it's not that, you know, the 99.9999999% of the patches are successful and safe. This one is in the news and you're literally going to have CEOs talking about exactly what you just said. Yeah. Where but now the, people aren't trusting their patches anymore. Yeah. But the problem is like, like the thing is, even if, if this does happen once, the impact is just astronomical, right? Yes. Like there's no, there's no current, there's no, there's no like, the, it's just absolutely in, insane the impact. Right. So like, that's just something that organizations are just going to have to take into account. Um, I expect in the next year, guys, uh, that we are going to see our customers that we're going to exploit something that should have been patched earlier in the year. And the customer's IT department is going to say, yeah, you were able to exploit that. We knew about that vulnerability, but management won't let us patch except for once every 90 days. Like, you know, that Mm -hmm. that's coming. Yeah. And honestly, like for some organizations that might, yeah, but that might be perfectly reasonable for some organizations. Like if, if some organizations are dealing with like some crazy government top secret, or I don't know when human life is at risk or something like that, I don't know what, you know, pick your, pick your poison. That might be completely reasonable for a a threat vector. Something else is going to have to give, right? Like if they want to go to that level of not patching, they're going to have to start severely restricting access to the internet and the internet coming in. And different workstations, like you're going to have to do something else. You're going to have to do segmentation. You're going to have to counter that, right? Um, and I yeah. don't know if organizations will do that. Yeah, honestly, like the only takeaway from this is that I think what, like, if you take away one thing is that you can't trust vendors anymore. Or I mean, you could never trust vendors. But I guess, I guess, like after these particular set of uh, incidents, like I don't think you should just assume that all the responsibility falls on you as the customer of a vendor. Um, even if you're paying them insane amounts of money and also that, uh, you should probably think about minimizing the amount of vendors you work with as much as possible. That's a a really big ask for something that has only happened once or twice, or maybe, you know, five times in the last couple of years. Right. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. But the thing is like, like most organizations don't even have this type of attack in their threat model. Right. So we're talking about, 
very few organizations that would even take this into consideration in the first place. Um, and also, I think it's just the amount, the impact that it can cause is just absolutely crazy. So, I mean, I don't know. You're also thinking, like, how much software does a a company, even our size, right, use in a in a standard day? Like that, yeah. like that's that's an ins- like that's a huge ask for someone to say, like. Stop all Chrome updates. Stop all, you know. It is. It is. Right? But it, I mean, so, yeah, yeah, that's just something you have to think about. You've got to figure, like, it, what are, what is your organization's threat model? Like, if you're looking at Department of Defense um, and classified environments, we had the low-risk and approved software uh, list. We had all the patches had to go through a vetting process. They had that high level of paranoia. But on the other side, um, for most networks, there was no network connectivity yeah. to the Internet itself. So, yeah. Basically, we're making that trade-off of saying we're going to be really slow about our patching, but we're going to shut off the network. Now, once again, if you're Maybelline or whatever the the cosmetic company is that was that was possibly breached, Liz Claiborne, whoever it is, maybe your threat po- profile isn't that insane. If you're a company like Kodak, you're probably wondering why the hell are we actually still in business? Oh. <laughs> Um, so you, you, these like exactly like Marcello said, you have to be careful, but then you start getting into companies like Cisco. How the hell does Cisco actually handle this threat model without completely separating out their entire network into less secure, more secure enclaves? How do you define where those lines are? How do you make data move back and forth? This is, this is a huge deal. And for someone like too, their product line is huge, and their software in that product line is huge, too. I mean, the mm-hmm. code base is, I mean, just bazillions of versions. I mean, I'm surprised something like this hasn't happened to them, and good on them for not, I guess, in the sense of, from the software standpoint, I mean, I guess we've seen the hardware, but still, though, I mean, like, it's really tough to defend against that. Really tough. And for every one of these companies, which there is something like 100 that is on this list, what additional access did the attackers put in? Like if they use this as a foothold, did they add domain accounts? Did they move laterally? Did they add additional implants? It's not an issue of just fixing this from solar winds. You're going to have other like legacy exploits for a long time. Yeah, Jason. You're raising that. All right. So <laughs> I just thought about it. This has been happening for six months, right? During that six months, a lot of these organizations either had pen tests that took place or red teams that took place. So red teaming and pen testing was taking place while these other organ, while APT29 was doing this. Do you think they ever crossed streams? <laughs> I don't think so. Anyone else? That'd be a weird to. way to get caught. They well, wouldn't need to cross streams. SolarWinds has access to everything. They yeah, would already be domain admin. Yep. They had everything. Now, the other question is, I am certain that these companies had threat hunts. I am certain that these companies probably had lightweight forensics investigations. And once again, the fact that we're just now finding it out now, that's that's telling. Hmm. There's no good solution. The only good, the only, like, you can just mitigate and just prioritize that's basically what you can do i don't think there is a and and the funny thing is like defense in depth approach of things helps but ironically defense in depth approach actually opens up more attack surface when it comes to this particular uh threat vector because like the amount of the more software products you put into your organization the more possibility that there is of like like you, you more, the more you open yourself up to supply chain attacks because attackers have more targets. Now. Yep. That's the ironic thing about this whole thing. 
You're saying if like I have gonna... Splunk and they issue an update, I should not trust Splunk's update? What? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, that's ironic. That's the ironic thing about this stuff, right? It's it's just absolutely a crazy attack vector. Do you guys think that they didn't accidentally get caught? Is there a possibility that they did this on purpose just to show that they could, right? Like they had all the data, like you said, six months. They got what they wanted to, and they had moved on to a different, you know, just kind of like burning it, just saying, hey, uh, we're done. I don't know. Just something to think about. I don't know if that's actually what happened at all. But. Well, my guess is that FireEye detected someone else using or accessing their tool set on GitHub or whatever, and then it started trickling backwards. Maybe. Yeah. Like that, because that's what they released first, right? Someone getting their red team tools. So if someone accessed their red team tools and they saw an alert or a message saying logged in, blah, 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 with SolarWinds box, um, and then they started tracking it back, is my guess. Is there a subreddit already for all the conspiracy theories? Because I, I want to hop <laughs> yeah. on that. <laughs> it's already good. Out there, I'm sure. It, do you mind if I just share one? Because I have one that just, when you showed the list, I, I already have this one conspiracy theory that John Hopkins is on there and that they used it to decrease the numbers that were happening in other countries to make America look worse. <laughs> <laughs> look at wow. that now, now, it's, now it's a thing it's out there now someone's gonna pick that up yes yeah, so someone's gonna run with it like oh no that definitely makes sense and they're gonna think but, it's from Jason. so that's the problem with this breach and that many companies is it calls into question data and uh, validity of it I, I will say that it doesn't help that SolarWinds also had like their customer list on their website and they were touting, like, uh, we have our product installed in, like, every government organization in the world and, you know, all these Fortune 500 companies. That's, that, that also does not help. So, that definitely doesn't help. So how that works out at a corporate level is that I get a discount if I let you use my logo. And it's mm-hmm. a pretty significant discount. And GE, when I worked there, they would basically cut off half of the cost of something if they could use the GE logo, right? So mm-hmm. companies want that for to make it show they they can see other companies are also trusting them so that that issues that trust in that company and it's a mark it's absolutely a marketing thing for it right so oh, yeah, you're not, you're not going to stop that from happening so i have a question about the trust aspect so <clears throat> i i've been known to say at times like oh we, we can trust them because if they go under well half the internet's going under too and i know that these guys are not that big, but they're not small, right? And, and I'm sure that there was some trust uh, in place because others are trusting them as well. What does that look like for a long-term aspect for these, you know, these companies that have, I think, gained trust based off the fact that everybody else trusts them? Mm. Is that in question now? Is is there going to be a push for you know smaller market kind of solutions? I see where you're coming from, but I don't think so. Yeah, because like. In six months, everyone's going to forget about this. Forget about it, yeah. There'll yep. be another Equifax. We'll all just be like, well, I guess we just still give it to them. Whatever, you know. <laughs> I get my $20 times. Yeah. Oh, you can always, mm-hmm. you can always like instantly right now see what the press release from SolarWinds is going to be later on. It's like, it was only one update. We secured all of the other updates. Um, it, we, we, we handled it already. It's not a big deal. Like it was just one one single patch, and that's already been removed. So and we're going to get free credit it. report monitoring for all of these companies. Everybody, yeah. free credit report monitoring. <laughs> get free credit report monitoring. Sorry, 
There's your credit credit conspiracy, Jason. The credit report <laughs> yeah. companies are behind every breach because they're <laughs> the only one that always wins. Yeah. So the mar- I just feel for the marketing department because there goes their Christmas. Yeah. Well, I got to wonder, do you think that this takes some light off of FireEye? Because you remember FireEye's name was Mud last week because they got breached. And look, I can commiserate with them. I'm not going to sit here and rip yeah. on fire. I'm not even going to rip yeah. on solar winds, right? But do you think the people in the marketing departments at FireEye are like, what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, honestly, <laughs> the news is off us, everybody. Uh, from all the stuff that's come up from FireEye, I think they were digging themselves out of a hole and throwing mud the other direction and saying, hey, dude, this really was serious. Speculation. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But this is one of my fears, right? You know, you know. I talk about this a lot as a business owner and we do offensive stuff. I'm freaking terrified. Like I wake up in the middle of the night, completely panicked, checking my email. It's like, have we been breached yet? We were, Oh crap. Google's down. Oh my my God. But seriously, you worry about that stuff all the time. Um, And this also shows that, you know, these attackers, they're willing to go after these companies like FireEye. They're willing to go after SolarWinds. Who's to say smaller pen testing firms aren't on that list, too? Well, I mean, they're going to have plenty of free time now. Look, they just freed up like 400 organizations they were looking at. Crap, we hired all like, last six months to handle breaches. What are we going to have them do now? Oh, Black Hills Information Security. Oh, that, is that, that is not a challenge. Do not. That is not a challenge. Jesus. Don't put that... Juju honest, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> Honestly, I think that um, while Black Hills is amazing, I think that um, if you're if you're looking at that kind of um, that act that you know threat actor, they had access to that many companies at that level, right? Yeah, even a deeper level. And you you look right. at companies like Ernst and Young. Um, that's one of the big five consulting firms and they do pen tests too. Yeah. Like you look at any one of these companies and you think about how this can spread, yeah. um, from not just this level access, it, it's, it's far worse than just the solar wind stuff for sure. Well, should we wrap it up? That was fun. Yeah. I really yeah. enjoy not having ransomware, but I think whenever it comes to catastrophic level breaches, we can dial it back to a few ransomware stories. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is a nice reprieve but we we can go back to that now for a while i mean they can do ransomware now right they have yeah. access to all of them they have the passwords uh, to all of them no. oh no Perfect. john uh, wanted news i've got us unleash yeah. the crack and the crack is like the ransomware for every one of these companies so. jeez can you imagine what effect it would have on the u.s oh if all on of december 24th yeah. No, don't do that. Yeah, don't, don't do that, please. Uh, all we're going to be doing is coming on here and crying and just be like, we didn't mean this. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't all mean Jason's fault. We didn't mean to do this. Yeah. All right. Like, so, Ryan, you ready to take us out, sir? We don't need that. I think Ryan's gone. I think Ryan went night. I went swimming in his pool. All right, we're doing this old school dab. Thank you, everybody. That was this episode. Bye. Kill it, Ryan. Kill it with fire. Kill it now. Kill it. <sighs> it's probably still live. He's asleep over there. I don't even know if we're on the stream anymore. <laughs>